Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Join Hoda Kotfi for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. And you can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Adele Griffin is the author of The Favor, a novel. Adele is a New Yorker who enjoys living in Los Angeles, even if it never snows there. She is the author of many books for new and young people. The Favor is her first book for older people. She loves pull quotes, bakery cakes, and writing about herself in the third person. Find her on Instagram at Adele Griffin. Welcome, Adele. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Favor. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited. I'm excited too. I'm really loving it. It's so good. I have been obsessed with Evelyn, the way that you write, the interior thoughts of, wait, what is the main character's name? I'm totally blanking. What's Nora. <laughs> Nora, of course. The way you write her interior thoughts is so funny and so smart. And the whole thing, I, I'm just loving it. The vintage world. So it's, I'm really, really loving it. It's good. It's really oh, good. That makes me so happy. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. So maybe start by telling listeners what the favor is about now that I've kind of jumped in and mangled it. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. Well, the favor tells the story of Nora Hammond, a woman who by day loves working at this beautiful vintage clothes store. I'll have seconds in New York City. But then at home, Nora's dealing with harder things. She and her husband, Jacob, are really struggling under uh, kind of a mountain of debt from IVF treatments, but they're no closer to family. And their very last embryo is frozen. And I guess they are too, uh, as they try to figure out next steps. And then one day into Nora's store bursts uh, Evelyn Elliott, who is this extrovert and Evelyn's full of fun and money and she buys out the shop 
And she bonds with Nora. And soon Nora is kind of living her best life, uh, running around with Evelyn. But she also is doing sort of personal assistant things. So there's sort of a power imbalance there. But things don't get really complicated until Evelyn offers to carry a baby for Nora, which sets off the roller coaster of the book. I actually did not see that coming. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't like to read the description of the books. I just like go in. So I I was like, what? (laughs) So was I. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't what you had planned? Well, I guess it always was. I was, you know, so we learn early on that Nora and Jacob are, have been having trouble trying to conceive a, a child for several years and that it's been a big strain on the marriage. So when I was thinking of the story, I did decide to center the book on fertility challenges and how they can affect women's lives because my husband and I also struggled with uh, the same challenges of infertility. And we ended up being very, very fortunate to have our two sons through surrogate, through surrogacy, but not in terms of any big drama of what's in the favor, but I knew one day I would write, want to write about some of this. Interesting. And you even have Frankie at the store sort of as a model for having twins via surrogate with his husband and got how, how Nora was sort of enticed into that, or, you know, it's so much easier to do anything once you know somebody who's done it, right? (laughs) That's true. I think that's really true. And I knew I wanted to connect with sort of that emotional through line of the story, the heart of the story, because I'd find I'd find that feeling and connect with readers through my own lived experience. But for a lot of years, I knew I also just wasn't ready to write the story. You know, by the time I finally got to become a mom, I, I kind of wanted to just be a mom. And I was a kid's book writer. So a lot of my life was like, I'm a mom, I'm going, doing the book fairs, I'm packing school lunches. And at some point I thought I'll be ready to share this, but I just have to wait and let it percolate and let it turn into the story that it did. But it, it took some time to get there. So how old are your sons? So my sons are 15 and 11. Okay. (laughs) So that's exactly how long it took to get there. Oh. Well, I'm sorry that you had to go through, you know, the, those feelings of loss and the struggle to get there, but how wonderful that you had a surrogate that, was it the same surrogate for both boys or different ones? Different surrogates for each of the boys, but it was, it was wonderful to, it was, it was cathartic really. You know, when we were going through it, there's, there is stigma around, I think still a little bit unconventional paths to motherhood, but And I did, you know, I still do feel a little bit like, my gosh, I'm talking about this thing. But at the same time, I knew I didn't want to be silent about it because it, you know, the book is also a pretty positive and uplifting story about something that, you know, I mean, there's room for all the crime stories and the legal thrillers and all the kinds of different stories about surrogacy that are out there. But I think when I wanted to put forward my own story and tell something that meant a lot to me, that story about surrogacy was going to be about the fellowship of women and women stepping forward for this woman, for for Nora in a moment of such incredible vulnerability in her life. And that was really important to me to sort of get that story added to those stories because 
I guess because I I felt so grateful and lucky for it and because it's such a specific experience. I just, we just had an event in our bookstore with Cindy Shupak, who's wrote a children's book called I Waited For You. And it's the same, she ended up adopting, but it's like the same thing spun on its head. Like you two would actually be interesting to have a talk. Do you know her from LA or anything? I don't, I don't know her. I would, uh, but yes, I think it's, there's, there are bonds that you make, you know, when we were going through it, we ended up, and I, I wrote a little piece for Good Housekeeping about it, about how we really connected with LGBTQ community because that surrogacy is really their path. And, and you know, sh- kind of how you show up for the life that you didn't necessarily think was going to be, it's the life of your dreams, but you got there by off-roading and it's sort of a different way. And you're just kind of so happy to be here. And you do meet people along the way who are who are also there and saying, let me be a mirror. Let me let me shine a light on how, how all this went for me. So yes. that that was kind, you know, there are so many different wonderful silver linings and footnotes to this experience. And I think that was one of them, how you really connect and increase your community. But I have to say, even though this is a big part of the book, this is not to me a book all about surrogacy or infertility, even though that is what's going on. You know, to me, this is also really about, you know, friendship and marriage and the, you know, her, Nora's relationship with Evelyn is so well drawn. I mean, it's really unlike any other female friendship that I've read because, you know, Evelyn is also paying Nora, right? And Nora desperately needs the money to get out of debt. So you already have this sort of imbalance in the relationship. And yet they're friends. And yet, like, Nora feels comfortable inviting her over to dinner. And, you know, so the way that Nora even sits and looks at her on Instagram and every so often is like, I've put a little heart and then she put a heart on my heart and I knew we were still in touch. And then you even have the part where she was like, I miss you. And she's like, but I'm on social media. And she's like, no, I miss the in-person you. I don't know. It just like struck such a chord as somebody who's like on social media all the time. And I feel like I connect to people there, but of course it's not real connection. I mean, it is a, con- a type of connection, but it's not the same. So anyway, I just felt like that relationship was so interesting. And even though it's about all those other things, it's it's really about women's relationships to each other and what it means when you really not not it's like a girl crush almost meets, you know, employer meets, I don't know. And I, I think that's why Jacob was so jealous of the whole thing, you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which it's is another so, wrinkle. <laughs> yes, yes. It's so intricately. I mean, I I agree with that. It's so specifically and intricately a, a, this kind of female friendship dynamic. And you have, in some ways, I thought this is, it's going to be the girl crush. This is, this is the, the, the catalyst, but it's also so immersive, this friendship. And it's almost like your eighth grade feelings. And Nora in the beginning really, in some ways, wants to be sprung from this. You know, it's very cyclical, the disappointment and the hope. And 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 Evelyn really springs her. But at the same time, because there is the power imbalance, Nora sort of, she sort of has to understand a little bit more, actually a lot more about Evelyn than Evelyn ever has to understand about Nora. It's sort of up to Nora to navigate and to be the observer and, you know, as the narrator and understand and try to anticipate Evelyn's next move. Whereas Evelyn sort of just gets to exist in this little bit of 
what do I need next? You know, how is, how, how are you going to show up for me next? And I think that kind of creates the, the idea that you don't really know what's Evelyn's always such a surprise that she kind of keeps you guessing as you hop through as Nora can never really anticipate Evelyn's next move. Yes. Completely unpredictable. (laughs) But I like how you have her relationship with Meg as like a foil to the whole friendship, right? Like here's her old friend. It's Meg, right? Isn't it? Right. Yes. It's Meg. Yes. And I I feel like I I needed to do that to sort of like lay in an old familiar friendship. There is something that I think I wanted to get at, you know, in the idea of sort of like, what if Kate Middleton were your surrogate? What if your surrogate were somebody from so outside your understanding uh, also because I think, although I did, this is not obviously my story, but I felt that when I was in relationships with my surrogates, I did always have a feeling about how can I be the best part of their day? You know, so many things are valued here. And I you know, came into the relationship feeling I guess, a little superstitious, a little bit wanting to make sure that, you know, everything was great. Let me be the great thing. Let me send the cozy blankets and the fruit baskets and all of these things. But I didn't really know what was happening, you know, short of moving in with my surrogates. I wouldn't, you know, which wouldn't have been good for anybody. But there is sort of a feeling of I want to ask 90 questions, but I'm just going to ask five. Right. Sort of feeling that I thought it's it's a wild sort of meringue of an idea, but at at the same time, it felt very real to me, that feeling of, oh, I'll, I'll step back, but I want to, I want so much more, but I'm going to try to contain myself all the time. Interesting. Hey, grownups, the Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the cat in the hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. What about the whole vintage clothing? You must know a lot about this, obviously. I mean, did, or is this like an interest? Or much. No, you, you did the research for the book. I was like, either she's totally into this or this is like amazingly done research that doesn't even feel like research. This was certainly me down all of the rabbit holes of all the absolutely wonderful online vintage stores and loving going on them and looking at have and And there's so many interesting influencers and people who like love vintage and know so much about it. But in early drafts of the book, I kept giving Nora these really 
impossible jobs because I thought, oh, I'll do a thing where she has this really important job and then she kind of goes back to her life and she she's falling apart a little bit. But I didn't understand any of these jobs. And I felt like, oh, why are you keep writing this character with jobs that you yourself would be fired from like immediately? So I had to really pull back and think about it. And I think the idea of vintage was more about let me let me find a a cozy, soft, interesting way into a conversation that sometimes is hard. Let me find that Nancy Myers movie, the walking in through the front door of this book with a key and opening it into a space that feels so beautiful and where Nora has so much knowledge and feels so much comfort. And so that the reader can also feel that feeling of Nora being so interested and immersed that when I do take her outside of that world into the harder space of talking about infertility and that challenge, we feel really grounded that she's, first of all, not a character who's just going to be defined by this thing of her infertility, but also that there's lots of warmth and loveliness, you know, in these old relationships, in her marriage, in the friendship with Meg, in her friendship with Frankie, all of these things, in her dog, Nick, you know, all of these things that make her, that, that keep her sort of anchored and safe as she lifts off into this sometimes hard story to tell. Well, I have to tell you, I am not, you know, I'm almost done, but I'm not done. And I'm holding my breath because I don't know what's coming next. And I'm like praying that everything goes okay. I'm like really emotionally invested in this book. Um, and I'm like, is is she really going to take us down this like very bad path? Or is it, are we going to, is it going to all be happy? Anyway, don't tell me. Um, I'm going to keep going, but I'm, 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 my fingers are crossed for Nora um, having a happy ending here. <laughs> she deserves it. <laughs> we'll see. Yes, she deserves it. Oh my gosh. Has this book been optioned? I feel like it would be great as a, a film. Yes, we're in conversations about that. So that's been really exciting. I've always had sort of a, a hope because I think it's two really interesting female characters and it's such a female character driven book. And I always thought about actresses sort of playing off each other. And so, yes, I'm I'm excited. Oh, well, I would totally watch that as I have read it. And I don't know, it's uh, even the vintage. <laughs> I want to like try on the cloak. It would be cool <laughs> if you could, if you could do like a, maybe you've already done something like this, but like, I assume the, the cloak you made up, right? You just made this up? I just it? made it up. Yeah. Yes. But you should find something that looks like it and put it in like one of those glass containers like they have in like museums or something and have a yeah. showing of the cloak with like cocktails oh, or something. That is such a good idea. I, I I would never have thought of that. And I really do need to, I mean, there's so many pieces of it. I, I kept thinking, I'll just wear vintage, but it, it really is the cloak. And it was kind of the Edna St. Vincent Millay of the story that I kept. I wrote so much into that story. I had to take so much of that oh, out. No. I became so fascinated by this made up poet and this invented cloak. And I could really have put 400 more pages of that that nobody would have wanted, but it was, it felt so real to me. I mean, maybe that's your next book. Maybe I just make a cloak and put it in a display case in my house and it'll be the conversation piece. Like, you want to talk about my book? (laughs) (laughs) Or like, maybe it would be so neat if you could partner with like the Costume Institute of something or I don't know. Like, I know there's so many beautiful things in the Costume Institute, the Met, but it's great. (laughs) 
I do love thinking about it. it. It's the whole thing is it's all lots of different things that really were very interesting to me. So it was a long project, but it, and it was a slog, but it was also just a place where I would go and, you know, like a dollhouse, really lose myself to the story. You could also, I'm sorry, you could also do a thing on social where you ask people to look for the cloak, right? Because like searching for the cloak, like describe it again, you know, the way you do in the book and then ask people to go into, who love vintage and then have them post pictures of cloaks that you, and then you pick one. It's becoming very clear to me that I need an entrepreneurial mind on this book. (laughs) (laughs) You obviously don't. I'm sure, you know, you don't need my help. I'm like, that's a good idea too. I didn't do anything. I got a cake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my daughter who loves sewing, by the way, saw the book and because I've been reading it and she was like, oh my gosh, you know, that's a label, right? On a piece of clothing. And I was like, I had not even realized that. Isn't it beautiful? And they did such a wonderful, Source Books did such a great job in kind of making that stitching happen. We went through a number of different images. And when that was landed on, I thought, oh, yeah. that's exactly it. How could it be yeah. anything else? And I think it also plays into the idea that this is a, this is a warm book. This is a, you know, there's love and friendship in this story, which I think was really important because it's lots of things, but it is so much about, it's so much about relationships. Yes. Amazing. Did you have any other titles or was it always the favor? Oh, it was so many <laughs> titles. And they were all a little bit, I think they all read a little bit, sci. you know, it was the gift for a long time. And then that felt sci-fi and then it was the present. And I thought I was being clever, the present, the present, but so clever that it was bad. Uh, but this- <laughs> And my friend Morgan titled it for me. I think she got just exasperated one day. She's a good retitler, Morgan Matson of books. She's also a writer. So she was sort of like, you know what? It's a favor. <laughs> it's the yeah. favor. But we're done. I love it. Are you working on another book? I'm working on a book about old love, but I think I might have to put it away and think about interesting marketing strategies for the vintage element of this book now. But the old (laughs) love story has been, uh, you know, it's a pleasure because when you're out there talking about a book, it's nice to have sort of the public life of talking about this book and then going back in, being creative and writing. That's always a part of the day that I try to find. Maybe it's the part of the midnight, but to find a little bit of time for writing just sort of feels like, ah, nice. Have you read Elise Lonin's new book about the seven deadly sins for women? Because she she uses the framework of the seven deadly sins to talk about you know, what women are kind of up against these days and how it's not... Anyway, envy is one of the, the things that she talks about. And I feel like you have that in the book a lot too. Like when Frankie says that he's going to have kids and you have like I'm so excited for you. And then in italics, you're like, but actually I'm not. I'll I'll be there by your side, but I really want to run the other way. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like having the juxtaposition of those feelings when you're excited for someone you love and yet it highlights the things that you are lacking yourself and how to like come to terms with those. I thought that was really interesting. Oh, yes. I I felt that, I mean, again, I you know, when you have the holiday cards come in when all you want is sort of the family and... And you go to another shower and another baby shower. I I do remember just sort of always having to reset for that, you know, every time 
turn around somebody was pregnant, which is wonderful, you know, and you think I don't want to be the wretch of the story. I am happy. And I think that there was in that connection to Nora wanting to always be her best self, but in I in italics, just feeling like, are you kidding me? Just that's that quiet, small voice of will this ever happen? Will this ever happen? For me, that felt like real things that I was sharing about how that journey had been for us. Well, what did you, I know you said that you wrote children's books and all that, but how did, what was your life up until this point? Like, where did you grow up? And give me like the quick rundown of how we got here. For sure. I was, uh, well, uh, my mom's from outside Philadelphia and my dad uh, was in the military. So I was a military kid and I grew up kind of Panama, Rhode Island, you know, anywhere he was stationed. And then went to school in Philadelphia, moved to New York, uh, became an editor in children's books. And children's books was really, you know, a great, big, wonderful part of my life where I wrote young adult and middle grade books. And so that has been a lot of my story until this story. And it does feel, it does feel different, you know, to have written for so long about characters, especially in young adult, where you leave them on the last page and they're 17 with a 17 year old, wherever you've taken that teenage, that young person, you leave them on this big wide horizon of the rest of their life which in some ways is just inherently optimistic. And so to come into a story where I have cast a woman in her late 30s who's made so many decisions already and has so much of her life in her rear view felt it was, you know, you talk about where's the voice, where's the voice? That was hard. I kept kind of going into my young adult voice and trying to find her and thinking, oh, right, she made that choice. She forked off that road. She doesn't have, you know, that great big, endless horizon of youth to land on in the end of the story. Wow. So it was a big difference. Oh my gosh. Okay. What advice do you have for aspiring authors? Oh, community. I think writing is beautiful and wonderful and lonely. And when you have that intersection, I think of art and commerce, and you're putting this thing into the world, the most important thing is to have first readers who are friends, who are a loving first read, uh, that mentorship is so important because it's so personal. And there are so many different levels of rejection and critique that I think having an inner circle of people who do that for you, and then you in turn can do that for them is really you know, it's the heart, but also the armor. I think it's really important to have community. So true. I'm trying to help with like the author community at large. I need to do more yeah. like LA based stuff or meetups. I don't know. I like love. Oh, <laughs> I think you're doing a lot. No, I know, but I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I want to do it like in every. You can check that one. <laughs> community. <laughs> that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Last question. What are you reading now? Oh, I'm reading Rachel Cantor's new book, Half-Life as a, of a Stolen Sister by Rachel Cantor is what I'm reading now. My mom and I earlier this spring went to the Bronte Parsonage. We did sort of a bucket list trip and we walked on the moors and we visited their home, Charlotte and Emily and Anne, and we stayed in the village 
And Rachel Cantor's book is is sort of it's it's this wildly imaginative take on the Brontes growing up, but she kind of inserts reality TV and blogs and kind of this modernist idea of what this genius family was all about. And I'm loving it. It's so good. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to go back to reading your book, which is upstairs. <laughs> I appreciate bed. that. Thank you. It has been coming around with me everywhere lately. So anyway, thanks. It's uh, I love yeah, it. Really, it's great. Thank you so much. It was so great talking. You too. Well, I hope to see you again in LA soon. <laughs> yes, okay. for sure. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.